Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. And I like verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Let's go to... 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. One more passage of Scripture. Thank you for your patience. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and builded up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of, of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye have risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you... Being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Notice verse 14, blotting out the handwritten ordinances that are against us, which was contrary to us, and took out and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he may made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Having spoiled principalities and powers. I was casting about for maybe a title uh, to call that this sermon here this morning, and I I simply want to use that particular verse 
about spoiling powers and principalities, and I want to call this spoiling Satan's plans. Spoiling Satan's plans. Amen. We're going to sing a little bit, and then we'll, we'll pray that the Lord would have his way in this service. You can be seated. This song doesn't necessarily go along with the theme of what I'm preaching, but I've been feeling it on my heart, and maybe it's going to minister to somebody that's in this place this morning. Help us out, Sister Christy. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There have been times I didn't know right from wrong. <coughs> but in every situation, oh, yes. God gave blessed consolation that my trials Thank you, Jesus. But in my lonely hours, oh yes, thank you, Jesus. Jesus let me know that I was his own. And I'm singing through it all. Yes, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Yes, through it all. Oh, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Through it all. You know it, sing it with us. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Oh, through it all. Jesus, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. I thank him for the storms he's brought through. Boy, if I never had a problem, How would I, know? I would know that he God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Oh, stand with us and sing it through it all. Yes, and through. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. And through it all, oh, now through it all, I've learned to depend. Oh, let's sing that chorus again. Praise God. Through it all, oh, now through it all, I've learned. To trust in Jesus, and I've learned to trust in God. Yeah, through it all, oh, through it all, and I've learned to depend upon. Oh, listen to these words. I've learned to trust in Jesus, and I've learned to trust in God, and through it all, oh, through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Through it all, 
Oh, yes, now through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, and I've learned to trust in God. Yes, through it all, oh, now through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. You can trust His Word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The Apostle Paul explains to us in Galatians chapter number 3 and verse 24 a little bit about the Old Testament and why sometimes, though we don't understand it all or are not able to grasp it and get our minds around it, why it is there and why it is important. He says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. It doesn't matter where you get on board in the Old Testament, it's all leading in one direction, and that is towards Christ. It's taking us to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Things occur in the Old Testament that it seems at first glance have no real consequences to us in our 21st century lives, but really it was given to us for an example, as I read to you here today. It's given to us as a pattern to follow. It's a witness of things to come. It is a template you could take the Old Testament and overlay it on top of the New Testament and you see that it is a template that you could follow. In Genesis chapter 15, God revealed to his friend Abraham in detail what would happen to the generations that was to follow that were his progenity, that was the nation that would come from his loins, the Israelites, He revealed to him that there would come a day that they would be strangers in a land that was not theirs. That there would be a time when there would be 400 years of slavery. There would be 400 years of being in Egyptian bondage. But he did not leave him without hope. And aren't you thankful today that God, though sometimes he prepares us for problems, for challenges, for difficulties that may arise on the scene of our life that he never leaves us without hope. Matter of fact, that's why I love the Bible. Is when I look into its pages, I find hope on every page. I find deliverance. I find that he's a miracle worker. I find that he is one that is able to give salvation to those that are most wayward. He's able to turn people's lives around. He's able to heal those that are sick. Do you believe that God can still divinely heal somebody in this service here this morning? Come on, I still believe in that stuff. There's a lot of people that have tried to strike it out of the Bible, have tried to whitewash it or try to pretend that it doesn't exist. But I'm telling you, my God is still a healer. And there's still power in His name to heal all manner of disease and sickness. Is it all right if I just proclaim some things here this morning? Just stand up in faith and, and boldly tell you some things that I feel about the Word of God. Amen. I've seen the Lord change people's lives. That's why I can stand here and preach with such confidence and such fervor is because I'm not talking about something that I'm just reading about that happened 2,000 years ago, but we brought this Bible into today and we've seen God work in the now and we have testimonies in this house of what God is able to do. I've seen him deliver the alcoholic. I've seen him deliver the drug addict. I've seen him deliver the nicotine habit. I've seen him heal people's broken lives. I've seen him redeem and raise up and restore and renew folks here this morning. I'm just talking about and bragging about how good my God is. How wonderful my God is. And if you've got a testimony that he's done it for you, you ought to get on your feet a little bit here this morning and give praise and thanks to the Lord. Praise God. Amen. 
I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to take a back seat. If they can lose their voice for a ball team, I said if they can, if they can scream until they can't even squeak for a ball team, I think I ought to be able to come to the house of the Lord and give a little praise to God this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But he revealed to him that in the fourth generation, that they would come out and they would be delivered, but they would not just simply be delivered as they were because you can imagine after 400 years of bondage, they were weakened, they were frail, they were beat down, they were bowed low. There was disease and sickness and things that had taken hold of them. But the Bible says that when they came out of Egypt, they came out on a high hand. He gave a little analogy. He said, he said, they came out on eagle's wings. Amen. He said, I'm going to lift them out of that place. I know it seems so formidable. I know that it seems like they've been there so long that it's never going to happen. And maybe some of them has lost all hope. But before I get done with Pharaoh and the Egyptians, before I get done with my people, I'm going to raise them up and bring them out. And not only bring them out, but I'm going to bring them into something. I'm going to bring them into my promises. I'm going to bring them into fulfillment as a nation. Everything that I promised Abraham, I'm going to bring it to pass oh yes I just want to remind somebody tonight that when you get called out of sin when you get brought out of the world when, when, you, when you get loosed from all the shackles and the chains of darkness that Satan has hold on you with amen when you come out of all of that you don't come out broken down and scarred but you can come out new you can come out with a fresh beginning you can come out amen with a new life to live that's why we call it being born again. When you repent of your sins and are baptized in the name of Jesus and you're filled with this wonderful promise of the Holy Ghost, the Bible said all things are passed away and behold, all things become new. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. And when he brought them out of Egypt, this is, again, and I've said this many times to the church, one of the greatest miracles that I read about in the entire Bible is found in the Old Testament. When we don't think of there being miracles of healing, when we don't think necessarily of there being such a divine intervention as this, we read about it all the way back there in the book of Exodus when the Lord brought them out after 430 years of being in that land when he brought them out, the Bible says this statement, it said that there was not a feeble one among them. 400 years of being ruled by a cruel taskmaster. 400 years of being beaten. 400 years of being under bondage. 400 years of working for somebody, a man that, that was cruel and hard. But when they came out, the Bible says there was not a feeble one among them. I'm going to tell you when the Lord gives you freedom from sin, oh, there's not any remnants of sin left. There's not any results of what sin has done left. When you come out, you can come out in strength. You can come out in power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, somebody clap your hands if you know what I'm talking about. Of course, all the way back here in Genesis 15, the Lord is revealing to Abraham Israel was not even a nation yet. Matter of fact, Abraham had not even had a son yet. This thing hadn't even got started, but God was looking ahead. And, and I just want to stop and say this. I believe that the Lord this day did not catch God by surprise. Now, some of us may be shocked that we're going to baptize some of these folks in Jesus' name. Some of us are surprised that, that the Lord is working like he is in this wonderful family. Some of us may, may be taken aback and say, man, and uh, folks may come, are you are you for real? Are you going to baptize some of those Griggs brothers today? I said, yes, sir, we're going to baptize them in Jesus' name.
What the devil said wasn't possible. What the devil said would never happen. What the devil tried, amen, in his plans and his devising things to destroy and cause never to come to pass. I come to proclaim this morning that there's some folks that are answers to prayer. There's some folks that God is in a need for. God looked down through all the pages of time and he said, right there, that day. We didn't want to do this on April 1st. We wanted to wait until April 3rd. Amen. Because this is a miracle. I said, this is a miracle worthy of rejoicing about. Some of you may be sitting here saying, man, I wish God would do it in, in my family like he's doing it in their family. I'm going to tell you this. I feel that way, but I'm going to tell you, I'm going to rejoice with them that rejoice. Because someday, if I rejoice with them, amen, they'll rejoice with me when God gives me my miracle. When God works in my life. Oh, praise the Lord. You can be seated. We're having too much fun here this morning. Some of you thought that Pentecost had to be real. Oh, no. We have fun when we come to church. But he's revealing to him that they're going into that place of Egypt. And Egypt has always been a type of, of sin. We're talking about these examples and this pattern that came before the New Testament. It's always been a type of the world and bondage. And the intensity of Egyptian bondage obviously was not was not that great for a, a long period of time. Though they were there in Egypt, they were surviving. They were getting by. Things were going good. They were being fed. They were being clothed. But Pharaoh woke up one morning. The Bible said there was a Pharaoh that arose that knew not Joseph. And he woke up one morning. He looked out there and said, if we don't do something about these Hebrews, they're going to overthrow their bondage. We've got to do something about this great population that, that God has given blessing to and increase to and prospered them. And so they began to deal with them harshly, rule them, the Scripture says, with rigor, and beat them and take away straw for the making of bricks and so on. And it was when this intensity and pressure in Egypt got strong enough as long as they were surviving and getting by and, and there was no problems, no challenges, no issues. They seemed fairly content being in Egypt. But when pressure got to mounting and the intensity got great enough, the Bible says this, that they began to cry out by reason of their affliction. I'm going to tell you, nothing changes sometimes in the life of people until they cry out to God. But aren't you thankful that his ear is not heavy, nor is his hand short to reach to where we are, that when we cry out, we've got a God that is already intently listening for that cry. We've got a God that is always leaning over heaven's balcony, listening for the cry of somebody that will lift their voice unto God and say, Lord, I need you. I don't want to be this way anymore. I don't want to live here any longer. I don't want to be bound like this any longer. I don't want this pressure and this intensity upon my life any longer. I need I need to be free. I need to be delivered. I need to be set free from this. And, and as they begin to cry out, God began to work. God raised up a man by miraculous, by a miraculous way. Every every male child you understand in Egypt was being slain and killed and thrown in the river Nile, eaten by crocodiles because of Pharaoh's decree. But when he was born, Moses, his mother saw that he was a proper child. There was something distinct about him. There was something different that distinguished him from the rest. And she said, I, I can't do to him what is being done. I, I'm going to build a, an ark of bulrushes. And she placed him in the same river where the other children had met their fate. Now get Get the irony of this. This is Moses. He's the only one of the whole Hebrew nation that is able to celebrate a birthday when he does. At the age that he is. 
because all of his counterparts have been slain and killed and thrown into the river Nile. But God spared him. God saved him. And miraculous as it was, Pharaoh's own daughter came to that, that place in the river to bathe and she saw this child, had compassion on him, took him to Pharaoh's palace. He was raised up in royalty. God prepared him by the best educators in all the world. If you've studied anything about the uh, Egyptian empire of that day, you know it was the most advanced of all in the world, of all civilizations. Prepared him, got him ready. And we know that his own mother was called upon to nurse him as a child. And she put something in the heart of that baby. From the time he was even able to understand or comprehend anything, she repeated over and over to him, you may be in Pharaoh's house, child. You may be right here raised up in royalty, but we want you to understand that you're not an Egyptian. The blood that courses through your veins is Hebrew blood, and there's purpose for your life. And God called you out for a reason and for a purpose. You're not to continue on. And suddenly Moses came to a place of decision and choice. He said, I can go on and live with the riches of Egypt. I can have all of the power and the influence. And maybe even some theologians believe that Pharaoh's own office of power would have been passed down to Moses. But the Bible says that he chose rather to suffer the afflictions with the children of God, knowing that the pleasures of sin were for a season. He made a choice. He made a decision that I'm going to be a child of God. I'm going to be what God has called and ordained and purposed for me to be. Can I tell somebody here this morning that God has a higher purpose for you than to live in sin? God has a higher purpose for you than to be in bondage. God has a higher purpose for you than to live in Egypt. He has a higher purpose for your life than to live with regrets of what could have been and what I could have done. Amen. I'm going to tell you, not only is living for God the best life, amen, right here, but we got heaven to look forward to. We got an eternity with him. And if you think we get excited down here and thrilled down here, oh, you haven't seen anything yet because we're really going to get enthused when we step on that other side. When God raised up this man, he saw, he saw that the Egyptians were beating and, and ridiculing one of his brethren. He intervened and we know that God took some time on the backside of a desert to prepare Moses for what he was going to do God gave him an experience and I'm just giving you a thumbnail sketch when he was walking in the wilderness and he saw that bush that was burning that was not a sight that was uncommon but it was the fact that it was not consumed that was uncommon and he watched it as it continued to burn and he knew that there was something with spiritual significance that was taking place. And he walked over near it. And the Lord spoke to him to remove his shoes. But the ground that he stood on was holy ground. And he began to talk to him about how that he was go, to go back into Egypt and to confront Pharaoh and tell him to let his people go. And Moses said, who am I to say that has sent me? And he said, you tell him that the I am has sent you. You tell him that the I am is taking authority in this situation. And the scripture tells us that he alone with Aaron walked into the courtyard of Pharaoh and began to proclaim the message that God had given them. Now Pharaoh, of course, was reluctant to allow this great host of servants and slaves that he had to go free but God has a way of getting anybody's attention. And we as mortal men and women cannot stand in the way of God's will and the way of God's purpose. When God gets ready to move and God gets ready to work, the Bible said that he can open a door that no man can shut and shut a door that no man can open. That's how powerful God is. 
And the last place you want to be, sir, is in the way of what God is trying to do. The last place and the most miserable place that you could possibly be is in the way of what God's trying to do in the lives of people. And so God began to deal, and through ten miraculous plagues, we, we understand that God bombarded Egypt, and God began to deal with Pharaoh, and, and, and initially his heart just grew harder. But finally, God said, this is going to be it. This is the, the finality of it all. Get ready. He said, I want all of Israel. He said, I want for every man in his household to get a lamb. And he said, I want, them, I want you to sacrifice it in a specific way and take the blood. And he said, I want you to put it on the doorpost and the mantle of your house. And he said, I want you to eat all of the lamb. Consume it for your family. If it's too large, you get another family to help you. If it's too little, he said, you, you, uh, you, you consume all of it and not leave any of it behind. And he, he instructs him to take the blood and place it. And then he gives him instruction. He said, I want you to put your robes on. I want you to put sandals on your feet. Now, you understand, at midnight is when the cry came. They were, had their staff in their hand. He said, because when I again get ready to move, it's not going to take me a long time to do it. Because when the death angel passes through the land and the blood is applied, there's going to be rejoicing and celebration that God has redeemed you. But for every Egyptian that does not have the blood applied, there's going to be every wall in their house a wailing wall because their firstborn is going to die. And we know as a result of this that Pharaoh, he not only told them to go, but he ran them out of Egypt, told them to leave. And when they left, they plundered the Egyptians of their gold, their silver, and their precious metals. And they left in better shape. They left as a, as a people and a nation that was ready to go forth into the land of promise. God had prepared them. God had made a way for them where there seemed to be no way at all. But just as they made their track into the desert and found their way to the Red Sea that the Apostle Paul talked about in our text, the Scripture says they looked over their shoulder and they saw that the Egyptian army, Pharaoh, had obviously changed his mind and commissioned them to go and to retain those Israelites that he had set free. And as they made their way down to the brink of the Red Sea, it was flooding their minds that maybe they had made a mistake, that maybe they should go back. And they began to complain and murmur among themselves that at least while we was in Egypt, we got three squares. And at least while we was in Egypt, uh, we didn't have to worry about being put to death like this. And they had forgotten what they had been delivered of. They had forgotten all that God had done for them up until this point. But they needed a miracle now. I'm going to tell you, you never reach a place in your relationship and walk with God that you don't need to rely upon God, have faith in God, and depend on God for a miracle. Amen. You may get a miracle today, but I'm going to promise you, if you live for God long enough, you're going to need another miracle. You're going to need another touch from God. You're going to need some more help from the Lord. They stood there and not realizing that if God was able to bring them to this point, if he was able to bring them this far, if he was able to bring them to this place, that whatever he begins, he's able to bring through to completion. He's able to bring it through to fruition. That God is not going to leave you in between. That God doesn't do anything halfway. Can I get a witness of somebody here this morning that realizes that God, when he, when he works in your life, sometimes we don't get it all in one night. We don't get it all in one service. But if we'll continue walking with God, and if we'll continue having faith in him, and if we'll continue to trust him, God will continue to work. I just feel like telling Mary Ann that if the Lord has began a work in you, and I certainly believe along with many of you that he has, that he is going to bring it through to completion if we'll just continue to trust him and believe him. He'll work things out. Don't lose faith. 
I don't know what the purpose of God is. I don't know what the plan of God is. But I know that God, when he makes a promise, he's not a man that he should lie. No, the son of man that he should repent. Just keep walking with him. Keep trusting him. And God spoke unto their leader Moses and said, I want you to see what I'm going to do as you raise that anointed rod over this sea. I'm going to cause these waters to roll back and make a highway through the midst of this sea. And the Bible says that when they walked over, that they didn't walk over, the Israelites didn't walk over on muddy ground, but it said that they walked over on dry ground. I'm talking about the bottom of that sea dried up. Amen. And they walked over unto the other shore on dry ground. And when they did, they looked back and the Lord allowed that Egyptian army to come down in the midst of that sea. And when they got just in the midst of that sea, he caused those waters to go back to normal and buried the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. Somebody say one time, I don't know. I was over there and I saw that Red Sea. And at certain times of the year, they said, you know, uh, certain times of the year it's just not very deep. And uh, maybe just a few feet deep. And how could he drown the whole army? I, I just don't know if the Bible is real. I don't know if that's the truth. I'm going to tell you, when the Bible tells the stories that it tells, they're not fictional. But they are truth. And they're to be believed. I looked at that man, I said, you know what? Then it was a bigger miracle than I thought it was. Because if he was able to drown them in three foot of water, that's a bigger deal than I thought it was. Amen. But God is able to do exactly what he says that he could do. And so Miriam picks up a tambourine. We used to have a tamarind around here until people got so happy with tamarind. I finally had to say we got one drummer and one tamarind player, praise God. And that's all that's needed in an apostolic church. No. Hallelujah. Man, you get 17 tamarinds going, you can sure enough get off beat. She got that tamarind in her hand and started dancing and started shouting and started singing a little song and rejoicing. She said, the horse and the rider have he thrown into the sea. The things that used to hold me bound, the taskmasters that used to rule over me, where I used to have no say, where I used to have no dominion, where I used to not know victory, where I used to be bound and in slavery, thank God that I am no more. Amen. And she began to sing, dance, and rejoice. I'm going to tell you, when you get loosed from sin, that's why, amen, they're singing in this house. That's why there's rejoicing in this place. That's why there's dancing in the house of the Lord. That's why we lift our hands. That's why we lift up our voice and rejoicing. If you could have seen us before he found us, if you could have known us before we were set free from the things that used to bind us, if you could have seen our lives and what a mess they were before we made it to the other side, before we experienced the power of the Holy Ghost, then you would understand. Oh, come on, let's rejoice in the Lord a little bit here this morning. Has anybody been delivered? Is there anybody that's been set free? Is there anybody in this house that knows what it is to be filled with the power of the Holy Ghost? And so that, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 3. He is saying, he's saying that's the significance of all of that that happened back there in the Old Testament. Can I tell you that in likeness it's still happening today. He said just like our fathers passed through the Red Sea and all of their Egyptian captors were drowned in the Red Sea. When you're buried... With Christ in baptism, all things that had a hold on you, things that were bondage to you, addictions and problems and mental issues and emotional issues and physical issues of being drawn into those addictions and, and being bound by those things, 
when you're buried with him in baptism, just like it drowned those Egyptians. And I want you to understand, after God delivered them, you read about them being confronted by other armies such as the Philistines and, and the Amorites and, and uh, the Assyrians and the Syrians and, and different armies that confronted them all along their way in the promised land. But can I say that Egypt was never again a threat to Israel. When God delivered them, he delivered them so effectively and so powerfully. Come on now, I believe that when God delivers somebody, he's able to do that. Now, I do believe it's up to us to continue to walk in the Spirit and be led by God. And I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But, but, but I believe that when he delivers us, it's so powerful that we don't have to go back to sin. We don't have to go, oh, come on, don't get into this stuff. Well, I'm going to uh, go for this 12-step program now that I got the Holy Ghost. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go do this and I'm going to go do that now that I got the Holy Ghost. I appreciate all those folks are doing but I simply believe that God is powerful enough to deliver somebody and set somebody free and make them whole. If I didn't believe that, I'd pack it in and I'd go home. But I'm standing on the word of God that it's powerful enough to take care of the threat of sin in a person's life. God can deal with that devil in your life that tries to hold dominion over you and give you dominion over that. The Bible said that when they had made it through the sea that they began to follow that cloud. Now that cloud was typical of the spirit of God. The Holy Ghost. They came up underneath that cloud in the midst of the day. And, and the scripture tells us that it was a protection to them from the hot searing sun that would have scorched them all and they would have perished in that desert had it not been for that cloud. I'm going to tell you, you can't live for God without the Holy Ghost. There's some folks that's tried. Amen. That's what the law is all about, trying to live up to something that you can't live up to without the Holy Ghost. But when you get the Holy Ghost, you have the power to do what you couldn't do in yourself. How many knows the Holy Ghost gives enabling power? How many knows that there's an empowerment that comes when you get the Holy Ghost to live above sin and live above worldliness and live above carnality and live above temptation? Praise God. That's right. And so what really the, the Lord is revealing to us here is the death, burial, and resurrection, which is the gospel. We die out through repentance. We die out to our sins. And I believe that repentance is what makes us candidates for baptism. And I've been preaching around here the last several Sundays about this thing called repentance and the importance of it. Because the only way you can really be a candidate for baptism is to repent of your sins. I used to go with an old preacher to a, in Modesto, California to a, to a prison and preach. It was actually kind of an honor farm type situation, but there were some big old burly dudes in there. And uh, I was just a little old dried up 19-year-old boy. And I went in there, and I was the first time I'd ever been in a place like that. And, uh, and he was smaller than I was. And about 80 years old, and he reared back and started preaching. He said, I'm going to tell you boys something. I mean, I mean, he had to look up to him. He's standing there, and there's a room full of them. We're in there by ourselves, all these inmates around us. He said, I'm going to tell you fellas something. We're going to have baptismal service. He said, but unless you repent it, he said, all we're doing tonight is getting you wet. But if you repent, I believe God is able to give you remission of sins. And I said, man, look like he could have, you know, softened it up a little bit. He's going to get us hurt in here. There's going to be a riot breakout. But I'm going to tell you, it still takes old-fashioned repentance. There's something about counting the cost, and there's something about weeping tears, and there, there's something about being broken in an altar, and there's something about saying, God, I lay it all down that prepares us. And then we're baptized in his name, and that's remission of sins. Amen. That's dealing with something that has been out of control in your life. People that have suffered leukemia or cancer, these kind of things, when they say that it's in remission, that means that it's been contained. 
It's not out of control anymore. Amen. There's things that we've tried in ourselves to get control of and we tried in ourselves to overcome and we tried in ourselves to do something about it and we just couldn't do it. But when we go down in those waters in the name of Jesus Christ, uh, remission comes. God takes control of that that is out of control in our life. The disease of sin cannot continue to spread. Then as you receive the power of the Holy Ghost, you can walk in a resurrected new life, the Scripture says. We're planted with him, he said in baptism. When you plant something, when it grows up, it grows up in newness. Amen. I said it grows up. You, that seed dies it, in the ground and it's, and it's planted there underneath the surface. But when it comes up and it brings new fruit and it brings new life, praise God, through this process. That's what God is trying to show us here today. That when we fall as a carnal, corn of wheat and die, the Bible says that it's not going to abide alone, but it's going to yield fruit. We're going to see things come out of this today. We're going to see blessings in the lives of people come out of what we're doing here today. Come on. If you believe that, praise the Lord with me right now. He said all of those Colossians 2, he said, all of those handwritten ordinances that are against you, all those records that the devil keeps, you know, he's, he's pretty proficient. Give me your Bible there, brother. Now, this here is going to be for a moment, just the devil's little black book. You ever know anybody keep a little black book? Usually that black book bites them at some point in their life. If you're always keeping records of everybody else's faults, pretty soon you're going to need some mercy and grace yourself, and you're going to find that thing's going to judge you. But he, every time you messed up, every time you didn't come up to par, every time you failed, every time you made a mistake, every time you sinned against God, every time you was disobedient to the Word of God, it's written. And... In services like this, when people come down to an altar and they repent of those sins and God so graciously, you know, that has to make the devil mad because he never got a shot at repentance. He never got a shot at what some of you folks are going to get a shot at today, and that's going down in a watery grave in the name of Jesus and being those sins being remitted and having the opportunity to have a second chance and a new life. But he rebelled against God and he was cast out of heaven. And he holds up that record book and says, hey, what about this? And the Bible says uh, that the Lord has already nailed it to the cross. Uh, It's already under the blood of Jesus. Uh, The price has already been paid. It's not to be held up in your face, and it's not to be held up in God's face. Matter of fact, he said, your sins, I've cast them and threw them behind my back. They're never to be remembered. I'm not looking back on them. You don't need to look back on them. Amen. If God's not going to turn around and dig them up, you don't need to keep turning around and digging them up. You need to go forward in Jesus and in the promises of Jesus Christ. Oh, somebody rejoice with me this morning. Let's stand to our feet and rejoice the Lord. Let's rejoice in the Lord today. But my favorite verse is that 15th verse. Having spoiled principalities and powers, and he made a show of them openly. Oh, the devil thinks he's so smart sometimes. He had... He had plans and he had devised certain things that he meant to happen in your life. There's certain things that he, he had plans that this is the way it's going to turn out. And this is how it's going to happen. And this is what's going to be done. And they're going to walk this line until I eventually get a hold of them and destroy them and make a mockery out of their life. You know, that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to make a buffoon out of people. He wants to make a clown out of people. He wants to make a mockery out of their life. He wants to destroy every bit of reputation you got, every bit of happiness you got, every bit of peace you got, every bit of joy you have. But aren't you thankful that when the devil has plans, that God also has a plan that supersedes it all? And he's spoiled 
He spoiled the plans of principalities, spirits, and powers of darkness and openly makes a mockery out of them. This is what you was going to do. This is what you planned. Before it's over, they're not going to be laughing at them. They're going to be laughing at you, devil. And the Bible talks about that in the book of Isaiah. It said that they shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee and say, is this the man that did make the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? He's not such a big deal after all. I'm going to tell you, that's what coming to God can do. It, it can make problems that seem so big in your life seem so small and insignificant when you get God on your side, when you get God working for you, when you get hope in your life, when you get the Lord working for you. Amen. It turns the whole scenario around. You get a different perspective. You get a different vision about things. Your eyes are open. That's what God can do here in this service. And I believe that he wants to spoil the plans of the devil. I believe that's what's happening here in this service today. I want you right now, as we're filling after the Holy Ghost, I want you right now to reach over and I want you to pray with one another in the presence of the Lord. Would you lift up your voice, church? Would you pray with me? Come on, would you call on God with me? Would you seek the face of the Lord? Come on, let's pray that God's presence and power and glory would come into this place. It would come into this house. Spirit of the Lord would move heavily. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord would touch and work. His spirit would move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. wants to be obedient to the plan of God in your life I invite you to come this morning to this altar I want everybody that, that's in this building this morning says God I want to be completely obedient to the plan that you have for my life I want you to come, somebody help me move these altars forward, I want you to come as close as you can to this altar the presence of God is here and God's going to move in this place and God's going to work is we're going to prepare to baptize these fine folks. But I want you to come down to this altar just as close and near as you can. And I want us to take a season of prayer here before we move any further and prepare ourselves for this very special and significant occasion that's going to take place. Hallelujah. Come on. Hallelujah. Oh, devil, you may have had a plan, but God's got a plan for folks today. God's got a work he's wanting to do in this house. God's got some things that he's got in store for these good people. Hallelujah. Come on, let's gather in close. Let's gather in near. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Go ahead if you feel to. No pressure, but if you feel to, raise your hands to the Lord and yield yourself. Saying, God, here I am. Every part of me, every, every part of me, here I am. Hallelujah. God, I need you. I need your touch. I need your help. Oh, God, you're offering hope to some people today. You're offering hope to some people today. You're, you're offering a way, a way out, a way to a better life, freedom from a lot of things. God, I thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray.